Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad and with me as always is the one and only, the beautiful Mike Hampton. Hello. It's been a long time since we've done this. It's been about a few weeks. Uh, Mike, how are you? I'm on the crazy train. On the crazy train. As they say. Oh, like, yes. the, like the band? Is that what it's called? The crazy train, right? Well, there's a band that made a song called... That's what it is. Gotcha, yes. gotcha. Black, Black Sabbath, maybe. No, right, right. Um, we are here today. Uh, it's been a long time since we've done this, but before we get into the actual show and introduce our guests, we have to pay the bills as always. And how we pay the bills is do our partners. Uh, for number one, that song you just heard is from Soundstripe. Soundstripe.com has been our longest running partner of the Uncle Dad Talk show. And as always, you can save 10% off your first month subscription using promo code Uncle Dad. 10. Now, Mike, do you remember what Soundstripe offers? Yes. Soundstripe offers royalty-free music to use for any purpose. Any purpose. You can use it for an unboxing video, a music video, your own album, anything you can ever think and dream of. Your podcasts, you can get their music monthly for an incredibly low rate and license that song to be yours to be used in your product. Pretty good if you ask me, and we're very thankful that they've been with us officially for one year. And we'll tackle that in a second. And number two, Mike, this is probably why you don't feel juiced. You don't have the Rays in you right now. No. No. Well, I just brought you a truckload of Rays. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so go get your, get your Rays on. That's right. Rays Energy by Rip Sports uh, is our newest sponsor who's been with us now for a few weeks. And we love them very much. Uh, their product is great. And what's really great about their energy drink is that it's absolutely zero crash, zero sugar, zero carbs, everything you need in a good, solid energy drink. And what I really like about it, and Mike, maybe you would like this too, mm-hmm. it feels very good for the brain. Like my brain seems to open up a lot. Oh, well, I better go raise up right now. <laughs> go raise up. Yes. Uh, that's right. And you can get 15% off any purchase, uh, excluding discounted items already, uh, by using promo code, all lowercase, Uncle Dad. Please support the show. Go check our sponsors out. And we really appreciate it as always. Mike, a mm-hmm. uh, little quick announcements before we get to our guest. Uh, number one being... Uh, we just celebrated our one-year anniversary, but we did nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't really celebrate until you're in at least 10. In t- 10 years? Ten. Wow. Okay, well, I guess Nine. we <laughs> a little too many, but all right. Nine more to go. Nine more to go. Yes, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary. Uh, really quickly, Mike, just to kind of quickly tackle that. Mike, thank you so much for being a part of the show for as long as you have been. Baby Gabe, thank you for being a part of the show since day one. And everybody else who's been listening, thank you guys so much. And I never would have thought that we have been, had the opportunity to talk to the people we have talked to, the people we're going to talk to, and everything else in between. So uh, really, ultimately, I have to say thank you to you, Mike. I would say I'm the brain, baby gaze the body, but you're the heart. Am I? Yeah, I would say so. But I don't know yeah. if you have anything to say about the one-year anniversary, but if you do, right now is the time. Well, that what you just said filled my heart, and so thank you. I appreciate that. And uh no, I'm just going to sit here silent and smile. <laughs> good man, good man. Thank you. Uh, also, too, we had mentioned that we were going to be at a horror convention. Uh, we did go, but only one of us went. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not going to cover it that much. Mike, I'll just tell you this. You didn't mess out much. Yeah. Uh, we kind of texted back and forth when I was there, and that was for the Days, Days of the Dead Con in Las Vegas. And to be honest with you, it was for somebody who's a con veteran, wouldn't you think the one thing you need when you go is to watch a panel is that every panelist should have a microphone? Yes. Not nobody did. 
Was it just in small rooms? No, it was like huge rooms. Oh, that's the worst. It was huge yeah. rooms. I don't and know how you screw that up. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyways, we could talk about them maybe on a different day. But honestly, we, it's not much to talk about. But I do want to thank them for letting us have the opportunity to go and letting us be a part of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, without further ado, Mike, go ahead and introduce our guest. Our next guest. Actually, you know what? I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce our next guest. <laughs> Don't put that pressure on me. I'm going to do that to you. Don't put that pressure on me. <laughs> when I, when I, uh, when you found out that I knew this person, you were really excited. I was really excited. And, and so why don't you tell our listeners why you were excited? <laughs> okay. So the guest we're about to have means a lot to me uh, because I remember being like, oh my God, 15, 14, maybe younger than that just a baby i know <laughs> and i remember going to um to a very prominent video game store uh which would soon be which would eventually be my uh place of work uh but the person who had worked there who actually has also been on the show retro gaming nomad had given me a cd for the soundtrack of nba 2k5 and i remember thinking to myself oh man thank you so much for the free cd because at that time cds i think were still popular so it was just like, hell yeah, I'll take a free CD. Uh, and the game was great, obviously. So I got the game, or I got the uh, soundtrack, put it in. A lot of great artists on there. Now, I'll be honest with you, a lot of names slip my mind right now, but there's one specific name that comes up every time I think of that album because of the fact I discovered him on there, and I was very thankful for discovering him. Uh, his music spoke to me in ways that I can't describe. I mean, truthfully, I mean, yeah, I just... <laughs> I'm getting, I'm gonna try not to get emotional, but yeah, I was just very great, grateful to discover this person's music. I love the way that he had his lyricism to me has been unrivaled to this day by most people. I think his music is always on point, and truthfully, he always seemed like a very stand-up guy. I remember even and when MySpace was around, that's how old we are. Uh, I remember messaging him on MySpace back and forth, and uh, you know, even though I know he doesn't remember, that's totally fine. That still sticks with me. <laughs> Because I just remember how kind he was to me always. I mean, I was literally a 16 year old kid messaging. I mean, I don't know how old he was at that time, but probably 22. But he treated me with the utmost respect. And I always thought that was very sweet, very much like how you did as well. And I think those, those connections really stick to me always. So without further ado, sorry for all that rambling. Uh, please give it up for the, I was, in my opinion, a legendary Bay Area artist, Buku One. Well, shit. How do you, how do you feel? The edification about that? is amazing. I'm just going to. Soak that up. That's a good way to start the week. Yeah, I hope so. I, I, I really mean that. I do. And um, hopefully that all makes sense. And I, sometimes I ramble and I feel like I get nervous when I talk. And um, this week is a, we have a lot of, we have a lot of big things happening this week. I get to meet two idols this week, right? I get to meet him and then our, our other guests this weekend. Remember I told you about? Yes. Mike's like, oh. <laughs> we're literally going to a festival together. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's exciting to meet like people who I looked up to. I don't remember. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Buku, seriously, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, it's it's crazy to think that somebody I idolized, and at one point somebody else I idolized, not anymore, but somebody else I idolized. Um, That's the problem when when person gets to meet you, it just normalizes. And all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, they trust goes up, respect goes down. It's like, man, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, well, we've definitely done some things. <laughs> and they always say, never meet your heroes or your idols, right? right? Yeah. Right, right. So. Uh, but Buku, thank you again for being on the show. Um, really, this, today's episode is going to be just a conversation, I think, just having fun with uh, people I respect 
uh, for the most part. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, <laughs> geez, I didn't call you old. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. It'll Not, come. It'll come. Yes. Uh, Buku, how are you today? I am good. I'm good. Start the week off right here, which is not a bad place to start the week off. Um, and Mike, where are we? We're in the uh, Bart Bridge store on College Avenue in beautiful Oakland, California. Word up. Word up. Uh, Buku, um, before we were talking, um, so we, I, before we got on the mic, I should say, one of the things we talked about was, um, and how I brought the introduction was NBA 2K5. Right. Um, I feel like most people will probably remember that, like, oh shit, yes. Do you remember the songs that were on there? Because I can't, honestly can't remember, but... Well, at the time, I was managing Dell, the Funky Homo Sapien. Yes. So, of course, Dell had songs on that, yeah. and I was working. So, so let's, let's, in 2005, that year, each year we would do a tour called Cali Comp. Yes. Which is a nationwide tour that would have all Cali artists. Um, and they had them before I was involved in all of that. But when I started managing Dell, and Dell was a headliner for these, um, one year I was like, you know what? I want to make the lineup. Because normally the booking agent would make the lineup and they would put, you know, Dell would be the headliner and they would pack the bill with artists they were promoting, which were great artists, but they were artists they were promoting. Um, and then as I got my feet wet and more comfortable in the management, I realized like, no, we have more of a say in who we have on our lineup. And so, you know, I got in the game tour managing and working with AC alone and abstract rude and those guys, yep. project bloat and yep. fellowship. And I, you know, done work with Zion and stuff here. So I was like, dude, let's just do Cali Com where it's Dell haiku de ta, which is AC alone, abstract rude, Micah nine, Zion and myself. And wow. so that was like a family affair tour, yeah. you know? Um, and so at that time, I had just linked up with somebody from well, ESPN's video games back then. It's 2K Sports now. Yep. Uh, and Marin. So we were building on that, and he was just, and they were like, yeah, we should do some stuff. I was like, great. So, like, we went in, me and Dell went in, and they gave us the whole whatever you do. It wasn't the full ball thing. So I, I'm not moving like how I would move, but they asked us, like, you know, would you like to be in the game as well? And so we gave them tons of music. I gave them tons of my graffiti. Mm. So I'm a graffiti artist first. I was like, dude, you know. Yeah. You know, um, and then we just started from there and the soundtrack just kind of grew from that because, you know, we we're working with another company that had that had signed AC Loan that was had a lot of the music, too. So basically, Cali Com was filled with a lot of AC Loan, Abstract Rude, Haiku de Todd, Zion I, Dell, and I had a couple of songs on myself. I think I had You Don't Know. Yes, yes. Something else. Like I remember that. that so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of how it came out. And then, all the, you know, then in the process, they were like, hey, so... What are some of your you and Dell's favorite basketball players? You know, and Dell's like, I don't play basketball. You know, so I'm like, you know, Allen Iverson, Ben Wallace, you know, whatever I picked up. You know, Chris Webber. You know, <laughs> I think I had Chris Webber, yeah. and so I, I did all this, I did all this, and um, I was like, cool. Like I thought they're just gonna make some all star team, you know. And then lo and behold, the game comes out, and it's a team all wearing hieroglyphics jerseys with a hieroglyphics gym, and it's just me and Dell. Yep. And I'm not in Hyro. Mm. I'm Dell's manager. <laughs> <laughs> so that was bittersweet. Right. Because yeah. kind of dope to be in a video game as a basketball player and have a graffiti and stuff like that. But it put me in a place with some of the members like, yo, like how did how are you just gonna do that? And I was like, yo, that was not that was not told that was what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So but so did that also make you not even want to promote the fact that you were in it because of that? Yeah, that feeling? the music and graffiti was enough. Yeah, like I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty, and I and I think you know over the years, the many people that I've come across, 
that said they discovered my music from that far outweighs the uncomfort oh, of, sure. of the unpleasant pleasant surprise of that part right but it was it was a really cool time um to be able to wrap all of that into our tour and have that ESPN video game to be the sponsor yeah and have it at the time when you know NBA 2K was on a rise it was mm-hmm. really rising up and that was kind of I wouldn't say it's apex because it's been rising ever since but yeah. that was part of what set it off and to be a part of that soundtrack knowing that you know it went everywhere is really cool and it was one of the it's like the second opportunity like that that i've had in my career which changed the trajectory and the awareness of my stuff i think too what was so impactful about that game is because it was also the the rival of nba live yeah like when you think of basketball games in that time frame right it was always live 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 yeah I mean, now no one even thinks of I mean, live doesn't exist anymore, yeah. right? Only in songs with De La Soul where Common mentions it. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. business. Yes. yes. But um, what I what I what I think to this day, and I and I'm really not just saying it because you're here. I think truthfully, the soundtrack has never been better than NBA 2K5. What a trip! What did you What did you like so much about my song? I mean, there's a heavy hitters on this. Oh, on for this sure. Project, you know, there's super heavy hitters on there, and, and and again, but like a lot of them. I mean, obviously, like I know Dell's on there and stuff, and obviously, I love Dell too, right? Like, who right. doesn't, right? But I think your music stood out to me so much, and I think two reasons. One, I loved just the way you flowed to me. Like it, it right. sounded very wonderful to my ear. Maybe that sounds weird, but the way it kind of hit my ear, I just liked it a lot. And then I remember. Um, you know diving into looking into more of that character not the character more more of you as an artist i remember just finding more and more songs and um you you made a lot of references too like the last starfighter and stuff and i think that was always great because i you know that's all that nerdum if you will you know that was always a big part of me you know and i I remember even making references to hispanic culture too like i remember the line about sabado Haganze. yeah 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 and uh yeah you know like stuff like that and it just resonated with me and I wish I could explain it better, but that that's explaining it. That's a <laughs> pretty good explanation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, um, yeah. And, and, and I think that's what hit it for me, you know, and like, uh, the guy who gave me the CD, who's still my dearest friend, uh, he was, he goes by a retro gaming nomad. He's a huge fan of Dell. Right. And, uh, I remember we would argue all the time, like who was better and between you and <laughs> Dell and, awesome. uh, but I would always go for you and he would ask, there's no way. Cause, cause Dell's obviously bigger. And I was like, yeah, but right. I mean, just cause he's bigger doesn't mean that he's right. better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to listen to us now and be like, motherfucker, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Dell will be like, nah, but, you know, but, the, but the, the real, the, the funny thing about all that is, you know, music is subjective. It's who's better than what? I mean, better at what? Like you can't tell me this artist yeah. is better at making me feel the way I want to feel versus mm-hmm. that one, because that one's more popular. Right. Right. Yeah. And so the, 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 the battles and the comparisons are always fun because like comparing comic book characters, yeah, you know, but in, in real time, like I've learned to um, appreciate the compliments that come from someone that's sincerely like that without having to denounce it or be like, are you crazy? You know who, you know, like <laughs> just understand like to yeah. this person, you affected them the way, you know, let's say we meet when I was growing up, you know, like special ed affected me in a way that, a lot of others didn't or poor righteous teachers were they the biggest no were they on anybody's top 10 list it, no but it didn't matter because at the time whatever i was going through whatever emotional calibration i had that way he rhymed and that content and that beat and that you know song list order at that point right all appealed to me mm-hmm. you know so it's learning to understand it's not linear there's no one 
hierarchy of who's better, who's not, because right. everybody has a different, you know, reason. So I think too, what I, now that I think about it now, like what I really liked about you as, as I discovered you more was because of the fact that, and please take this as a compliment, but you were like everything a 15, 16 year old, uh, would like, right. You skateboarded, yep. you, you did graffiti and then you, you did music, right? Why you, why you, why you hit me with all these past tenses? <laughs> yeah. He still skates. Oh, I mean, I skateboard. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't mean like that. Like, I don't mean like that. But I mean, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We old, Mike. We just uh, we didn't get you on the show until your career was over. And all of us. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm, I really didn't mean like that. I'm sorry. Fuck I'm with sorry. you, <laughs> man. Uncle Dad's getting bashed today. That's new. <laughs> so it's finally, it's, it's your turn. I'm usually the whipping post. Oh, show, yeah, yeah. So. so you can give it to me, please, huh. please. Right. Yeah. No. And I, I think like you know, you are all those things that, and. Uh, I think that's what I think about. It. I think that's why it, it you intrigued me so much because I was like, wow, look, look at this guy who's doing all this, right? Like, and I and I remember like it piqued my interest in a lot of that stuff. Um, I was never really super into skateboarding. Like, I, I just wasn't athletically able to do it. I think I think right. I tried, but I wasn't that great into it. And graffiti, I did try a little bit too, and, and I thought it was great, but it wasn't like something I was really into. You know what I mean? But the right. music is what stuck with me the most. Um, but I have to ask you, do you still have a copy of that game, and do you ever play it still? I have actually a box of sealed copies of it. Bro, I will buy one. Sign oh, yeah. it for me. I think I have some. <laughs> you want Xbox or PS? <laughs> was it Xbox? It was just Xbox then. It wasn't even 360. No, think. it was just regular Xbox and yeah, PS2, yeah. and I had it for PS2. Yeah, so yeah. I, I probably have both of those. Yeah, because at that point, you know, it's weird because, like, you know, at certain times, you end up with an abundance of stuff. Right? Raising like, drinks. <laughs> or like you know you you do your you knew your first pressing of vinyl and then you have boxes of vinyl and you're like all right well you know not everybody's flocking to buy these so <laughs> all right and you just they're just there, just there. these boxes of sand they're just there um and then like now it's like oh these actually are i can sell my own vinyl from 20 years ago these white labels they're actually worth you know, at the merch table, you're like, man, buy a CD, get a get vinyl, please. Like, yeah. You know, now I'm like, oh, I can tell this is like worth. So it's a trip, but yeah, I do have, I think I do have a box of those. I would love to buy one. Yeah, please, for sure. I'll I'll save one where they're all saved. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be that'd be awesome, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, with all the elements, so I didn't grow up as a rapper. I grew up as a fan of hip hop, but I grew up skateboarding first. Started skating in '87. And then got into graffiti first in 91. Um, and that and was all out here? All Berkeley. Oh, Berkeley. Born and raised in Berkeley, Berkeley and Oakland. So, um, you know, I got into rhyming. Just we, You know, we freestyles were just having fun freestyling, but it was never anything serious. Um, and then I got into uh, the business first. I got into tour management and management first. Mm. And through that, I got to take AC Alone and Ambush, which is one of the first artists I was managing, to Australia in 98 and then i put myself on as an opener and i had like three songs and one of the songs um was about graffiti and i just did it over like an atmosphere beat at the time like off of the multiples first you know overcast ep um but i didn't know that in australia hip-hop came to australia in the form of breakdancing and graffiti first out of the four elements hmm. so when they saw a rapper rapping about graffiti and using the terms and stuff that let them know that i'm a writer like i'm a real writer i'm not just like talking about what i used to do and I went painting with them like the next couple of days, it resonated in them in a way that like made me go, damn, well, maybe there's room for what I have to have to say. So that kind of sparked my whole concept. Like maybe I should do this. Um, but I always looked at me as an MC is like, 
I'm a graffiti writer skater who's rapping for us. Like I'm rapping from the fan perspective. Uh, I'm not rapping from this, this pedestal. I think that what you just said is perfectly why you stood out the most to me because you, you did feel that way. You didn't feel like you're, yeah, that's yeah. very well said. I strive to be I, like, to be relative. Like I want to be, I want to be one of the most relative. Like if you see me on stage, I want you to relate to me. I don't want you to be so mesmerized that there's no way we could ever, you know, I want it to be like, dude, this is like, I want to take that dude bowling afterwards. Like, let's kick it, you know? And then I come off stage and I go straight to the merch table and we can have that relationship. We can have that interaction or MySpace or whatever it is, because I never saw myself um, as the artist. Mm. I always see myself as this inner child who remembers what it was like to, you know, go to your first show or like when you're skating and you meet your first pro and they're like, dude, that trick was dope. Keep at it. Mm -hmm. Like that means so much to me. So being able to be that elder at the skate park and I see a young kid, I'm like, dude, keep at it. Or, or what size shoe do you wear? And then just go to the car and give him some shoes. Like those, that, that energy to me is like, that's the position I want to be in. So if I'm rocking the mic and I'm rapping about graffiti, I'm rapping about it. Like, yo, when I was 15 bumping, you know, artifacts, when they talked about graffiti, I was like, those are my heroes. So let me speak upon that from the angle of that interaction, you know? Um, well, that's an interesting perspective to have. Like, was that, do you think you were able to have that because of how you were raised? Like, was there, was there some kind of teaching? Cause I think most people, a lot of people, once you start becoming this artist and getting some success, it almost, they, there's like a psychological break where they're separated from other humans. Right. And right. like, then like you said, they're on this, uh, on a pedestal. And so what do you think was it for you? Well, I think a big part of it for me was that I was comfortable with just being Tion. Like a lot of, a lot of artists aren't comfortable with who they are. Mm. Therefore, they create alter egos and live out the life they want to live based upon that. Mm -hmm. And they want to forever be Cool Rock J or Pause One Graffiti Ill, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever alias we create. We, we create our identity and we empower ourselves through that. Um, with, I guess, the grace of how mom raised me to be able to be silly, to be sad, to cry, to, what, you know, whatever, all that. Because I was raised primarily by my mom. Um, I was, I was just comfortable being the goofy me, like for better, for worse. Like, I, you know, I knew I wasn't the best at anything, but I knew I hated being weak at stuff I loved. And I knew that if I nerded out after a while, I could kind of get to that point. But in this, and so in the space of performing with stages and, and, you know, I have an amplified microphone and you're listening to me. Um, whenever I had a chance to do that, I was always at least 90% of the time tour manager manager um so like my mind I like I had 15 minutes to be the artist to get loose before the set after the set I'm in tour manager mode so I get off the stage I go to the merch table because I have my merch but I have most more importantly I have the merch of the artist that I'm working with I have to make sure their stuff's cool make sure that's cool so I never just stewed in the fact that I was an artist I just got off the stage and I jumped right off like I'm just like the normal dude and it, it took me a while to realize that a lot of fans aren't used to that mm -hmm. because most artists don't act that way. Right. And so, you know, like even like, for example, with like women, for example, like, you know, when I was in Australia for the first time, I was like, wow, I'm so excited. So I 
get off stage and I'm like in the crowd. I'm just like, hey, what's up? What's your name? You know, talking to a girl. I'm just literally just excited talking. Right. And they're like, all right. Already, I know what you rappers are trying to do. I'm like, <laughs> oh, sh- oh, oh, yeah, I was up there, huh? And I, it, I just didn't think of it that way. Huh. Um, and so I think, you know, the roots of how my mom raised me helps a lot. Being comfortable in my skin to where you call me Tion or Buku, I feel okay. Yeah. Um, but also just I did more of my work behind the scenes and I was always being of service. I was always managing tour, managing booking. Um, so the sum of things were much bigger than my 15 minutes on the mic, so to speak. So That almost feels more important overall, I mean, right? Because you're like the bigger... Yeah, you got to have fun, but you also got to be a part of like the bigger picture. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love it. One of my favorite arts I tell people is, is the business of arts. Yep. You know, what I love to give back when I teach or work with youth or like get people come to me for advice is like, I want to teach about how to train your arts into careers, <laughs> like how to navigate the business side of it. We always encourage arts and people to be artists, but like we just send them out to the wolves to navigate this business world. Yeah. And like everyone just makes the same mistakes and, and it's not talked about. So to me, that is like super important. So the way I was, my biggest contribution to being of service to like hip hop and the people that I grew up listening to is like to be of service. If I can manage Dell and help take Dell's career from here and bring it here so that it at least adds extra amount of years to whatever, you know, like that's my contribution back. If I could work with Master Ace and do a, get a shoe collab with him with this Brazilian shoe company I was working with, like that's my contribution or working with Elvis yeah. Sensei and them to help you know, as they researched, you know, the artifacts brought back and just help them with their merch or whatever it is. Just like that to me lasts a lot longer and wider. And right. from the mind state, like I, I work from the mindset of a graffiti artist, which is getting up, getting your name out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So part of what we do is look for spaces to stand out in places that's not overly occupied, you know? So, you know, me understanding that if I'm willing to drive tour manage, do merch, that's going to separate me and make an artist want to bring me out on the road much more than just a dope ass kid rapper. Right. You know, so if I can do all that and be of service to these people, then I can get, they'll give me 15, 25 minutes opening. Right. And now I get to travel the world and eat because I'm, I'm working. Right. My music is emancipated. I don't have to, I don't eat off my music so I can make whatever I want to make and I can just be however I'm feeling. I'm not swayed by, you know, that's uh, something I was just talking about with another artist. Uh, this this morning was being able to create art without the thought that what I'm doing must sell so that I can pay the bills, pay for the studio time that it costs right. to record this damn song. So like just being able to put out the full expression, your full artistic expression without that weight of this better make money or else I'm finished allows you to really become you in a yeah. sense and put your best heart and work out there. It definitely changes things when you have to factor in um, what I want to do versus what's popular now versus what my label's kind of signing now based upon the new artists they're working with. Like all of that plays a role. And I've watched, you know, being a tour manager, one of the cool things is I get to, you know, see these Tony Starks and Peter Parker, so to speak, like these hip hop comic book figures, magicians, so to speak, behind the scenes. Right. You know, and be able to work in the minutia of like, navigating that and i've watched some of the best struggle with that name, name them <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can name artists that i work with 10 minutes later and then you can put them together but i would say all of them you know all i'll, 
I'll say all of them. <laughs> Let's say we can say Dell, we can say AC alone. Um, you know, we can say, you know, Mr. Sinister. I mean, Bahamadia, like just all these different types of people. Um, they have to deal with that challenge. Yeah. They don't all comply to. Right. But you have to digest that and fight that off. Right? Like you have to try to be like, no. I hear that. I could do that. What? Why is that doing so well? And then you have to find a way to be like, all right, I'm just going to do me. I'm not going right. to worry about that. But the ones who had a bigger fan base that was more rooted in who they were, not the album, they can move. Dell can move. Dell can make anything. Yep. So when I, when I was managing Dell, my thing was like this. Dell, make whatever you want, and I'll find a place for it. And that's when I started really going taking Dell's music directly back into skateboarding and action sports, which I knew more of right. versus industry shit. Right. Cause I knew the skaters loved it. I knew the surf, you know, I, that was my world. So I'm like, Dell, you can make, if you want to make an acoustic album, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that would, that would be sick. Yeah, that'd be super yeah. dope. Though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. To me, you've earned it. Yeah. Make what you want to make and I'll find a place for it. But the type of manager I was, was not focused on record sales. Right. I was focused on brand collaboration. I was focused on that a lot. That was my niche is turning Dell into what I call the sonic athlete, right. which is an endorsed athlete. And so the same way a professional skateboarder has different brands that pay for him, support him, all these things, utilize his likeness for marketing. We did that with him. Now, were you responsible for him getting with Gorillaz? No, Gorillaz came before me. That's okay. through Dan the Automator. Okay, that was through Dan. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Dan the Automator gotcha. is, was tied. Yeah, he's the, that, that happened in 2000. I started managing Dell in 2002. So gotcha. I, I came in, right after this so they went they went hyro went independent and released full circle well, third eye vision mm-hmm. right after that both sides of the brain came out and then with both sides of the brain came out tony Hawk pro skater 3 came out with if you must on it mm-hmm. and that album took the fuck off yeah you know I, I discovered that album from the game i was playing tony Hawk pro skater 3 and it was just like you know then after that uh deltron 3030 happened and then Love it swelled that. up. Masterpiece. Right? For sure it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Swelled up. And then after that, Gorillas just took off and blew up and went platinum. Yep. So when I came along, he had just came off of all that and was burnt the fuck out. <laughs> Didn't yeah. want to do anything. He was like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And so for the first two years, like we did shows, a couple of features, but that was about it. And yeah. so I came in and be like, okay, what do you what did you like and what didn't you like about your past management? Let's let's do what you like. Let's min, you know minimize what you didn't like, and let's create. I'm, I'm I'm here to create your vision. So you you do what you do, and I'm gonna work around that. And so it was much more of that versus the manager who'd be like, "Man, we need to get with this producer. You should be working with Alchemist. I'm gonna work about that label deal. We got this label looking at you." I was like, "Well, what do you want to do? You want to make that cool? If labels don't want it, cool. I can go. I can go to Skull Candy. I can go to Plan B Skateboard. I can go to Osiris. Yeah. Like we'll get this music out and pressed." directly to the fans so there's no like label gatekeeper who'd be like you know i love dale but i'd, I'd like him over some different production <laughs> like i'd always hear that like oh you know mm, i like him but i don't like his production as much and i'm like this is like we there was a situation where we had an album and i forget the label but it was you know hip-hop label like label has some dope hip-hop that wanted the dale album. they wanted a dale album and they were like man okay we like the album but we're really thinking it would be dope for him to do an album with Evidence or Alchemist. And we're like, that's dope. He'd love to. Mm-hmm. But this is his album right now. Right. 
well, I don't know. I mean, the production's not really strong. I was like, all right, well, uh, cool. See ya. Yeah, like that was, I mean, but, you know, Dell was in a position, and he's just that character. Make what he wants to make, and yep. his fans love Dell for Dell. They don't love Dell just for one song. Right. So some artists don't have that luxury. Some artists are known for one song or one album. And then either they change between albums because their life changes mm-hmm. um, or society changes. And all of a sudden that album is like, okay, that, <laughs> that's not what we're playing right now. Right. So do you think that's because the artist from the jump is very rooted in who they are and they, they know that you think it's a personality standpoint coming into being an artist, you know, so like if Dell knows, or like, if you know, like, this is who I am. I'm a nice person. I want to spread good energy and I've just loved to do crazy rhymes and whatever that is, that's who I am. And that's what I'm going for. As opposed to coming in like, I don't know. I just want to make music. I would say staying with what you feel you should do is a trait. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's not the only reason why artists get blessed with being loved for them versus a song or album. Like, I don't think artists can choose that. Right. You know, audience chooses that. Labels choose that. Radio chooses that. The, the combination of all of that plus the, the times choose that. Like, there are certain songs that we love, and we love an artist for that song. Like, they've changed our lives, but we don't know anything about the next 10 albums. We just never listened anymore. Yeah. You know, did we think they're weak? No. Did we think they fell off? No. We just, for some reason, we weren't motivated to go listen to the rest of their music. It just happens. You know, it's not, there's no, well, I'm an artist and I believe in myself. Therefore, that's never going to happen to me. Like, people are going to just love me for me. It's like, well, not necessarily. It just, it just depends. Dell is just a very unique person. Um, he would make what he made, whether he made any money or not. Like, I can honestly say he just, he's just a creative and he makes music to breathe. He just does it regardless. Like, he makes hundreds more songs than we'd ever hear. Like I, when I was managing him, I would have my, my assistant go over to his house with hard drives and just scoop shit off of his hard drive because Dell would make music for fun, make songs and just throw them away. Like he just make hundreds of songs. Like that's what all he does. Like we go on tour, they would people, you know, I had a friend who called him crouching Dell hidden gadget <laughs> because he'd always be like in the corner somewhere backstage or in the car, just making music and would just throw it away. Cause it was just practice. It just, he just needed to do that. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is in it for that. Um, but also he's been blessed with good management. Mm-hmm. You know, Domino, who's his manager now, who's his manager before him, uh, genuinely cared. You know, Ice Cube before him, his cousin really helped Guy too. Um, you know, Dan the Automator, seeing that if I put Dell in this concept, Dell will do something that will just make it what it is. You know, if I bring Dell on this gorillas project, we had a rapper on it. I didn't like him, removed him, said, Dell, rap on this. I, you know, and then these things just happened. Like Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 just happened. He didn't skate at the time. He didn't know any of that stuff. Skateboarders fell in love with hieroglyphics in the early 90s and it changed the trajectory of their career. He didn't know any about that. So why, how can you quantify why Dell is here? Let's just say, you know, our rapper B who's, who's his contemporary is not there. It's a combination of who you are, but it's a combination of circumstance, your management, right. timing, 
synchronicity, fortune. Availability, to be able to follow whatever thread is opening up for you. Because sometimes you have a health issue or a family or a kid or and you just can't make those same choices that you can if you're completely free to just follow the thread that's opening up for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And some have failure to launch um, in the sense like there's a lot of artists that want to blow up but don't want to do what what it would take to make it a career. Yeah, for sure. They have a a conflict with success. They have a love-hate relationship. I had an artist I was working with who's amazing, amazing dude. He was actually, um, so, you know, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis? Mm-hmm. What stupid question? <laughs> I've heard before Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, there was another MC vocalist and Ryan Lewis. Really, who was amazing, insanely. I'll play some of his music later, but like you'll be like, oh, I see what that. But this dude was not ready to play ball business wise. He was wanted to stay home. He wanted to play with his cats. He didn't want to do the certain things that that would that it would take. Right. You know, be to commercialize the music. It's so specific. <laughs> it's so specific. Were they nice cats? Though? I'm sure they were amazing yeah. cats. I know. I mean, to give that all up. <laughs> but he was very rigid. He was hard to deal with when it came to business. Right. You know, so Ryan Lewis had to keep moving. And he had him and Macklemore, and they were all friends. And Macklemore was like, dude, I'm down. I'm totally down. Let's, let's just do this. And the rest is history. Yeah. But things like that happen a lot where artists will just be hard to deal with or they'll get successful and then they'll be like, well, I don't want to do shit. Yeah. Wait, an artist being hard to deal with? You're kidding. Fucking <laughs> artists. I mean, that's part of how I, I gained my niche of being a tour manager, a liaison between fans and either labels or brands and artists is because most business folks don't want to deal directly with the artist for obvious reasons. Right. Yeah. Uh, most artists don't want to deal with half the business they have to deal with because it, takes them away from their creative process right so if i just be that person to make the artist's life easier and the you know business people's lives easier then i have a permanent place they're thanking me they're thanking me the business guys are coming to me like hey do you have any other artists we're looking for this that and the third another artist would be like hey i got this dude want to hit me up i don't know some video game dude i don't know mm-hmm. right i i build those relationships i cultivate those relationships and the next thing you know those relationships transcend the one event or even the one artist. Um, and that's kind of been my niche. It's like, I, I occupy the space that most, you know, didn't want to. And that's such a unique space. I mean, like, I can't think of how many times something comes across where it's like an opportunity. I'm like, wow, this looks like a great opportunity. I don't have time to deal with it. I don't even know what to say, but I want to do it. And then yep. it just gets lost. And then who knows where that opportunity could have led. Yeah. I mean, mining relationships, like, I'm a relationship guy. Everything that I do um, stems back to how I treat relationships. Like I treat everybody like they're super somebody. You just never know. Yeah. Like literally you never know, like through the guise of like hip hop, you never know who that guy is at the show, who that kid is at the show, who they're going to be in five or 10 years. You just never know. Mm -hmm. And we've experienced that. Like, dude, like that dude is that dude. Yeah, especially I think when you think about too, with like today's world, like the SoundCloud rappers, right? Yeah. SoundCloud rappers are literally just they're normal kids, right? And then just that one song just takes off, right? And just changes the world. You know, I mean, I think um, to what your point of that, it, it is, it's always good to maintain that that a stability of being, I guess, I don't want to say likable, but just 
treating everybody with the best respect, yeah. right? Because you never know where that's going to turn. You never know. And, you know, the, the challenge with artists, and I, and I understand it, um, is when you're an artist and you're creative, you have a, there's a fine balance of what you need to, space you need to be in to create your art. You know, following up on emails, you know, nurturing relationships that may take two years, three years to come fruition, following up on Instagram DMs beyond beautiful women, you know, like, <laughs> you know, all this takes time away from the creative process. It and does, yeah. It doesn't always bear fruit right away. It can be exhausting. You might have to sift through a lot. Like, you know, for example, at the merch table, you know, I come across a lot of really drunk people I'm who, sure. are, who are, are obnoxious <laughs> and annoying um, at the time. Mm. But I've treated them the best I can in respect. And I've had them be like, hey, dude, like, I was probably a little bit out there last night. My bad. But, you know, I want to make it up to you guys. If you're if you're into fucking Billabong, like, yo, I'm the brand manager. Whenever you come back through SoCal, let me know, dude, I'll take care of you. Yeah. And he was the dude wilding the fuck out because he was just like, <laughs> ah, it's getting loose. Yeah. Right? It happens. <laughs> you know, but so if you're an artist and you're focused on you're making your music or your craft and you get off and you're at the merch table and there's assholes there and the assholes like blocking four other fans waiting to buy stuff. Your natural thing is like, I don't have time for this. You know, he could be telling me he's from Billabong, but he's slurring and shit. I'm like, whatever, dude. Sure. Where I'm like, you know, let me get that card. But could you come over here, please? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, because I understand, like, just because someone's drunk and belligerent doesn't mean they don't function as a as a uh, person in society, but also they're a fan. They're here at your spot wanting to patronize you. Now, their tactic is a little sloppy, but. But I think, too, they're just human, right? Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you're going to loosen up some way, right? I think, um, you know, whether it's, you know, hopefully you're doing it responsibly, of course, but, you know, I think uh, we've all kind of been there, right? Where we get too, too sloshed and then we're like, hey. I've never done that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, no. <laughs> I think I've done that to you a couple of times. <laughs> yes. And we're still here. So <laughs> there you go. You know why? I don't know, but we're still here. <laughs> you got to have somebody to kind of be that gravity so i guess mike's your gravity oh i like that you are my gravity i was i was the artist gravity like i was the guy so you know, when you're tour managing and stuff like that like i'm a control freak in the sense that i'd rather drive mm. <laughs> you know like i'd rather book the hotels yeah i'd rather keep a track of the money so like you know i book all that so even on stage like you know i do my opening spot i go do merchandise you know the headliner you know dale or whomever it is goes on stage does their thing they get off stage i go back on stage and be like oh there's his keys He's going to want those glasses <laughs> mm -hmm. and there's his phone. <laughs> and then they're like, Fuck, what I, got? <laughs> she got Jeez, she, I got you. You know, because I didn't drink or smoke the whole time to my tour experience, like 16, 17 years in drink or smoke. Wow. Yeah. I stopped in 11th grade and like, I just never did until to this day. Like now, now I talk a little herb and stuff like that. But like folks or artists who knew me back then, they see me smoke. Like, what? <laughs> They'd be like, like Buku don't smoke, like fools of past joints. <laughs> And they'd grab it. Nah, Buku don't smoke. I got that. I'm like, I can pass it. Yeah. But like, I literally didn't smoke or drink the whole time. Never on tour, ever. Was that because you're like, I want to be clear, focused, and, and stay in control? Yeah, I didn't I didn't have a need for it. I didn't. I didn't. No need. I wanted to remember mm. shit, too. Good call. Yes. How many, how many shows have we gone to or experience we've had where we were drinking to have enhanced the fun? And then the next day, like, I spent $300 on that show. 
And don't remember anything. Or even better, like how many times have you and I made an episode and we got too sloshed up? We're like, oh, fuck. We can't even post this. <laughs> oh, like that one's That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you know. And, you know, like, since I took, since I decided to, you know, do it that way, I was able to remember people that reached out. I remember to remember fans that said, right. hey, about this. Or I remember, the, I could remember, I was, I was still focused on what I was there for. Mm-hmm. You know, after my set, if a girl's hollering at me, I can still talk to them as you know, maybe even get their number and say, Hey, you know, let's catch up later after the show or whatever, but still be like, I'm here handling this. I know if the promoter stoked the job that I did, if Dell or whomever stoked that I took care of them, everything was good, you know what I'm saying, and the fans were stoked, then all that's going to bear fruit for me, right? Down the line. Um, and that's been how I've built whatever it is that I have. Yeah. And your reputation is, you know, that you are straight, you can handle the business, you take care of things. You're you're not also getting drunk and, and right. losing. That would also be really bad if the tour manager was responsible for the artist. <laughs> Who's driving tonight? <laughs> but I'm sure I can't drive. I can't drive. I'm sorry guys. I can't drive. I'm sure there is tour managers like that though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, there are tour managers that who like are super on point. And then when it's t- when they have that free time, boom, they just go all the way, all the way to eleven. Well, maybe but maybe <laughs> yeah, the way yeah, yeah. you were able to not have that is because you had that moment where you were able to get on stage and have a release of energy, expression there. A right? thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. If I didn't if I didn't perform, tour managing would be rough. Yeah. Because you're always on. You always have to be responsible. You're always dealing with just things you can't control. Every city. Every day, maybe your artist is sick. Maybe your artist is mad. Maybe, maybe your artist wandered off with a girl the night before, and you can't get a hold of them. And then you need to leave the next day at eleven a.m. and they're not around. Name them. <laughs> you know, like there's just so many variables. Your artist gets sick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just stuff. So you constantly, your head's on a swivel. You're always on the clock. You know, you go out to like lunch to visit your auntie because you're in town, and you got to be on your phone like this because you know. Something could come up. Oh, shit, they don't have the turntables. I'm sorry, Auntie, I have to go run. You know, so if you don't have a creative outlet, that shit can wear you out. I mean, it's a very, yeah. it, the turnover for tour management is, is, is serious. Cause it's, it's like, it's tough. Yeah, for sure. Know? So that's why I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't do it if I couldn't perform. Right. Now, would you, um, was there ever a moment you could say, if you want to talk about it, at least that where you felt it's just too much? Um, there are moments and then I would just make sure I bring somebody else to help me with those moments. <laughs> so what I, what like, for example, like, you know, when I was, when I was, the times I was managing Dell, we were doing nationwide tours. First couple of times, I only brought merch people beyond mm. like the DJ and stuff like that. So I was tour manager, which is the manager of the tour, all the details of the tour, you know, checking in with promoters each day, going over sound check time, all that stuff. And then also the manager dealing with inquiries for guest lists, inquiries for interviews, uh, all the other stuff, as well as like album stuff that's not even had to do with the tour and future stuff. I was doing all of that. Right. And so that was a lot. And so I got to the point where I realized like I should bring somebody to be my tour manager to assist on that part so I can focus on the, the grander scheme of things. And that helped a lot because I, I didn't have to do the day to day. Like if Dale woke up and decided that his, NPC sucked and he wanted to go to Guitar Center. Like I had someone in another vehicle to go take him to Guitar Center or mm-hmm. deal with whatever he specifically needed that day so I could deal with what we need to make this continue. 
you know, that would that would be those times. You know, and then of course there's certain days and events where you're just like, oh, dude, this is, I need to, this is, I'm, I need to quit. <laughs> you know, but that sure. you know, that would usually last for you know a day or even just like half a day, and you're on stage, and then you watch your artist on stage, and you're watching the fans interact and experience what this person's doing, and it becomes bigger than the business. You're like, yeah, this is why we're doing all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Man, that's. It's, it's so many great words of like how, how to deal with all that. It's, it's very inspiring. Yeah. So I guess what I would, would like to ask you now is what kind of management are you doing now? Are you still on that? Basically, I moved out of artist management and turned my business into a culture and lifestyle marketing firm. So what that means is, so when I was managing Dell, I was managing Dell, but my niche was co-branding. So I would partner Dell with like-minded brands and create unique uh, relationships that would bear fruits, like i.e. releasing music through Skullcandy headphones, doing collab skateboards with Dell, um, just doing really cool ways to collaborate between my artists and these brands that would create marketing and awareness for Dell without having to recoup, which labels you have to recoup everything, mm-hmm. you know, um, and just growing Dell into basically an endorsed athlete. Um, so there is a period of time when Dell got burned out and got tired and just was like, I need to take time off. And that time off ended up being almost a year. And he could do that. That at the time was the majority of my income. Yeah. So it hurt. It set us back a lot. And that's when I realized the mortality of a manager. Like at any time your artist can decide to not work or not work with you. Right. So I switched my business model from booking and tour management to cultural lifestyle marketing. So now Dell is one of my main clients, but Skull Candy is also a client. Red Bull is also a client. This other artist also a client. I can be in the middle and be the conduit between these things. And so I wasn't tied down to one primary client and I had more mobility to move. Um, and so, you know, I could be managing Dell and go to a brand and be like, hey, we got this going on. And they're like, oh shit, we got this event. Whoop. But then also the brand can be like, hey, we have this trade show coming up. Is Dell available? No, but I have Mike Realm, but I have Shortcut. Oh, okay, cool. So it didn't end with can Dell or does Dell want to do this? So all of a sudden, these brands, I work with them on helping them create their uh, collaborations and unique ways to do events or campaigns or, you know, stuff like that. So, so then can I say that you did manage Shortcut, if I understand that correctly, or no? No, it, you was, just connected it was one them. of the many artists that I had gotcha. access to that, gotcha. I would, that I would book. Oh, wow. You know, so, I, yeah, book stuff for Shortcut and Mike Realm and wow. Rock Rada and J-Live. And, I mean, just because when you manage Dell... Most of the that's like a like a platinum American Express card. Most artists are gonna trust you. If you're like, hey, I'm Dell's manager. We have this gig. Right. Dell's not available. I want to see if you're available. You know, or for brands like, man, I know Buku really well because during the time I've worked with him with Dell, I've been working with Buku mainly. Right. Dell's the artist that comes in and does things, but I'm working with this dude all day to get the specs right, to get the graphics right, right to get the timing right. So they're like, hey, is there any other artist you're working with? Or, hey, we're looking for a DJ or we're looking for a visual artist for this event. And I'd be like, oh, shit, well. And so I always had this plethora of relationships. And so once I built the credibility and, and these, uh, these type of relationships via my relationship with Dell and these brands, the relationship is now mine. Right. And I want to continue to be of service to this brand, even if Dell no longer wants to work with them or I'm no longer working with Dell. Right. And so I just kind of occupy that space. And then more recently, I've been more on the visual side of the artist, like a lot of graffiti murals working with 
uh, my friends who are the luminaries who do a lot of stuff we did for Oakland A's for the like the Steph Curry on 880 like they do ginormous murals and so I occupy the same type of land that I did before is they're artists primarily so all the other stuff that they don't have to do if I'm there to do it then I can be that PR go-to person and then I specialize in letters as a graffiti artist so I'll do all the lettering and stuff for that too so, so you, you do the lettering on a lot of the yeah, luminary stuff. Yeah, there's a lot wow. of different ones. So like, I love letters. Like, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. They do amazing insanity, and they're like, and I'll be coming to do the letters. <laughs> oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so yeah. like the with the one on the Marriott Convention Center? Yeah, so I didn't do that one, but the... Um, of course, the one I asked. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, me and me and them have done a lot of stuff for Steph Curry or Under Armour. We have stuff at uh, Bushrod Park. Over there, we did the the big giant stomper one in Oakland, in downtown Oakland, like the 2,500 oh, foot yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I did the Oakland is proud under that. I DJ that event for them. We document, you know. So I just, whatever I do with them, but I'll put that, so I occupy that lane. And now I work with developers who give me walls to curate. Yeah. You know, then they pay me monthly and I get to basically turn them into a gallery. Um, right now we're doing a five-year project with the Giants where I basically picked five different artists based upon the five neighborhoods and we're doing murals like right now with them, which is going to be coming out in the next few months. So like, as we speak, we're, we got artists doing murals with them. Um, I was the Oakland A's DJ for a few years. Oh yeah. You know, just doing all the goofy stuff. So I just kind of operate in this space between, you know, uh, hip hop, skateboarding community and just brand management and consulting and just relationships. You see? Yeah. I think that's a big key is, is the relationships. That's where this all sp- starts from is, yeah making relationships with people and saying, yes, you know, I reached out to you about the art library situation that we're doing here. And you were just like, yes, right away. And then, you know, whatever, obviously if I was, I don't know, a scumball, we wouldn't be sitting here doing right, this, right, but right, like right. being open to saying yes to building relationships with people opens the door yeah. to all these things. And right? just being able to be present and curious. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Very like a lot of a lot of times people will come to me for one thing that they know that I do. And then that's the entry point. That's yeah, that's why. I and then that. as we keep talking, you know, both ways. Right. I get to understand what they do and what they're what they're interested in, and what and the, the other stuff. And I'll be like, oh, shit. Well, and the next thing you know, you know, because my favorite thing I like to hear from potential clients or collaborators is, hey, Buku, I don't know if you do this, but. And then. Give me a shot. Yeah. Like, I want them to feel like, you know, I like the way he works. I know he's creative and he understands the business stuff too. Um, and he's open. So like, you know, if I can, I'd rather work, continue working with him mm-hmm. because all the other stuff checks out. Right. So then they'll be like, they'll give me that chance. Like for Decathlon Sporting Goods in Emeryville, I've been doing lots of different stuff with them. Started off like DJing for their opening. But the last thing I did is, I um, helped them create their mission statement, helped them write their mission statement. So it was like a whole two-part like team building oh, process. Wow. But there's nowhere on my Instagram or in any resume that would say Buku does mission statements. <laughs> I need a mission statement help. We need, we need, one, we need one for Uncle Dad Talks, <laughs> so if you can help us with that. Yeah, yeah. so just understanding like, you know, having a diverse array of business things that I've yeah. done, but also people having trust and me and me being honest with them that, you know, they can ask me that question and I'm not going to say yes, if I can't, you know, is that, uh, you're wearing a brand Nubian logo, uh, hoodie there. Is yeah. that, is that kind of why, where that comes from too? Is, is that same? 
it's similar. Um, my yeah. COVID project. So my son got into soap screening. Um, he's 19 and you know, I did merch right back in the day. I'd, I'd yeah. go to my friend's company and they'd press my stuff. Yeah. Um, but I never had done it at home. And so the COVID, we started just hand printing at home. So I started just printing my own shirts. Um, and then I, you know, I built with Sadat X and Elder Sensei and them cause they were doing independent tours before COVID. I had known L for a minute. So when I came out, I would drive my, my minivan and do the old school. Like I'll drive and do merch if I can open, mm-hmm. you know, just to get out and do some shows with Sadat X and L and the family. I mean, you know, how bad could that be? Yeah. Um, and then just on a fluke, I just hit Sadat up and I was just like, yo, like, you know, I'm hand printing now. I'd love to do some stuff for you. And he's like, cool. I'm like, yeah, anything I print of yours, you know, you get 10 bucks for the shirts, 15 for hoodies and 25 for a jacket. So he's like, cool. So like I created his merch page, you know, burn the screens, make the prints and then I put them all up and he posts them and sells them on his Instagram and I just hand print them. You know, so it's like another way to be of service to like yeah. someone, one of my hip hop superheroes. And then he did the intro on your yeah, he did the intro on my album, oh. and he's on oh, the wow. he's on the remix of my twelve inch. Um, but yeah, it's just, to me, hip hop is the 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 currency that I'm benefiting most from, that I value the most, that I need the most now is not monetary from hip hop. It's just culture richness. I want to do cool shit. I want to paint with cool people. I want to do dope things. Um, so this is a dope thing. Am I going to get yeah. rich hand printing Sadat X merchandise? No. Mm-mm. But is it kind of cool? Like, is my inner child from 1993 yeah. stoked mm-hmm. off of, like, having Sadat X be like, yo, hit up my man Buku. My man Buku's doing these things. And I'm like, I'm like oh, I can just print a brand new and whatever, whenever I want, just rock? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, that's yeah. like my, uh, most of the things I do are really to, like, for my inner child to be stoked. I like that thinking, yeah, totally. Because I feel like it's also like a big part of what we do here too, right? Like the idea of what who we have on the show, who we talk to, and everything. It's a big part of getting to talk to people we respect it and appreciate. I guess you know. Like if you were into a rapper that you heard on an NBA two K, right? But that's what. But to, to your point, it's like it goes full circle. That's what yes. I'm saying. And so it's just like, yeah, I totally get that because. It it is that feeling. Like I mean, we don't make a lot of money on Uncle Dad. Like we make some, but not like. I mean, not, shit. If you're making some. <laughs> and po- yeah well there's a million podcasts right now right but so, you know what we're killing it in finland right now shout hey, out to hey, finland about it <laughs> i need i need to get with your program like y'all gonna create a network we got a podcast over here. i'm trying i'm trying straight up i'm trying when we you, have a, when we you have do a... we'll audition i'll bring my my, my crazy fiery wife over let's we'll do say, it Ooh, let's do it i'm yeah. down we were trying we were trying to make one man like i'm really proud of what we do but uh, i'm trying to expand it because yeah. like kind of like what you say it's like i see it as business right yeah. like my my podcast idol is uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah, I know yours is like probably um, Howard Stern. I, I know he's not a podcast, but he is now. Yeah, and I think we. He do, would hate that you said that he is now a podcast. I mean, he kind of is. <laughs> well, he's on satellite radio. So yeah, well, thing. that's the dream. That's the dream. Satellite radio. Me and Mike on XM Radio one day. Is that the dream? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's a dream. Yeah. If it pays. <laughs> Man, my dream is to have my own podcast that's so big that we can just do tours and and show up and have fun just doing whatever we want to do without any corporate having to tell us what to do. Yeah. I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> I like that better. Like I have, well, like my, there's two of my, my favorite podcasts is um, Crime and Sports. Mm. So it's these two guys, two comedians out of, out of Arizona and they do, it's all like, where they just cover crazy athletes that have gone, had the craziest shit happen in their lives. It's called Crime and Sports. And, you know, I've watched them build that from very early and then um, they expanded to Small Town Murder, which is, you know, the true crime. Right. You know, so they have the sports, true crime, and true crime. And I watched them go from that to be able to just tour before mm. COVID. Just tour, 
doing their podcast live. See, that's what I want to do. It's so dope. Yes. Like I want to just be able to sit, yeah. go and tour. I love touring. I, I never want to, I, I want to find other ways to tour. There's something about touring that is like no other experience I've ever felt. True. If you do a podcast tour, you need an opening act for your podcast. I'm shit. I'm talking about opening for y'all. <laughs> nah, we'll do the other way around first. No, well, yeah, cats like that, like yeah, you know, them, and then there's the guy uh, Dan Cummings. It does Time Suck. I know, I know of Time Suck. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I haven't listened to it, but I know yeah, of it. Yeah, super yeah. amazing, though. But he's a great comedian too. But like, he was a comedian, flailing up and down for tr- years, writing, struggling. Yeah. Time Suck podcast changes everything, and now that's it. Yep. It's his own thing, his own merch, he tours for it when, you know, COVID. And he makes enough money from his sponsors and everything else to donate like thousands of dollars to nonprofits they voted on each month. That's awesome. Crazy. You know, that's so. see. And that's, I think that's the goal with what we do is eventually having a bigger purpose, not just making money for us. Yeah. At least hopefully you feel the same way with me on that. Well, I think it, you always have to have something bigger than yourself yeah. at interest when you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's a good angle to come from. For sure, because I think ultimately too, when we started this, you know, he wasn't the original host; it was somebody else. And right. when we had did it, it was um, shout out to Baby Gabe, by the way. Um, we did it. It was just really a way for us to deal with coronavirus at the time, right, you know right. I mean? to deal with the pandemic. And then as you know, things moved along, we just changed into what it is now. You know, we were right. we were comic book driven. Now we're everything driven. You know, right. And uh, kind of to your point about what what is you know what's next, it's like I feel like for us, it's like eventually getting to that point where we can do the tour thing because i would love to tour with my pal and talk yeah. and talk to other people and just and, meet people who are into this weird shit you're into totally i mean off of it i, I actually know? got one of my, i've told this story to you before but not on the line i've actually got a job because my previous boss listened to our show and it was just insane to think that that guy yeah. was like a fan of the show he's like yeah i know the show and i was like what right. you know it's just it's a surreal thing so totally man i i i totally feel where you're coming from and talking about podcasts uh, you have a podcast. Yes. So let's actually talk about that for a little bit. All right. So the podcast is called the Black Russian Podcast. Right. And it's basically a podcast of my, myself and my wife, who's Russian. I'm the black one. Um, <laughs> and People thanks, might, I guess we haven't mentioned that. So yeah. th- Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, the root premise is, you know, sharing the, the crazy good, bad, and face planning of having a relationship where you are honest and you're open and you're allowing each other to grow and change and have the freedom they're supposed to have. So we've been non-monogamous open from the very beginning before the vows. And we've been together for 17 years. We have, you know, three kids. Um, We navigate the normal lifestyle as well. We just have, um, we've created our own vows and wrote our own script um, and realized that, you know, to be with somebody, primarily yourself, all relationships stem from the relationship with yourself. So it's really about, that but it, we go through the guise of like all the you know how to deal with control and jealousy and special and all this stuff I mean, the relationships play such a huge role in our lives especially intimate ones but we don't think about them too much unless we have to you know we don't work on a lot of these things until we have to yeah. a lot of us want steph curry level championship relationship with like pickup game work exactly. <laughs> and the relationship yeah. stuff so we just we're open and go under the hood and just have honest fun, goofy, random, but real conversations. Like, you know, we have one called Tour Life, Tour Wife, you know, which is like, I toured a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so rarely do you get to hear artists who's toured a lot, be honest about what was going on on tour and have his wife be there to talk about it too on both sides of that, how it goes on, like all these different things. So we just go all in, all around, um, you know, and just 
be so real and so raw and it's set to like independent hip hop and reggae tunes and you know we just talk about shit that people obviously are thinking but no one really wants to say but you know now more so it's becoming more into our our paradigm that there's yeah. more than one way to have a relationship yep. mm-hmm. um and we're deconstructing a lot of the assumption that one way is for everybody for eternity we're we're redefining the definition of a what's a really successful relationship does it have to be where you guys both die at the exact same time and end you know can it be one that lasts for a week or a month or a year or you know if you really want to know who your partner is give them the freedom they're supposed to have and see what they do yeah if you really want to be able to, you know, and just the, the reality that no matter what relationship structures we to subscribe to, that should be secondary to do we have relationships in our lives that allow us to grow, evolve, change, expand, contract, make mistakes? Um, and do we offer that same thing to other people? Right. Mm. You know, because all, all of us like to feel free, but not, not many of us want to give the, our partners the, the freedom that we want to have. Oh, totally. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting being in a relationship, like an intimate relationship with someone is the ultimate mirror for yourself to, to look at yourself too. Like it'll show you all of your insecurities, your jealousies, your control, what, what you yeah. want to control. And, and there's a lot of work that you can do if you're paying attention just by being in a relationship with oh, someone. Yeah. And, and that's what we tell people like, you know, like, you know, people go, well, monogamy is for me or, non-monogamy is not for me you know and it's like well look there's good people who tell the truth and who lie in every structure of relationship monogamy polyamory uh as a boss as a teacher Mm -hmm. as a dad as a mom as a friend like humans are humans yes Mm -hmm. so let's focus on finding good humans to interact with and worry about the structure later right (laughs) like you know i want a good monogamous relationship well okay but does that you may want that now what if you want to just settle down now because there's a pandemic and you want one now? Two years from now, you decide you want to start traveling more and experience the world. Can you have that conversation with your partner and be honest about that may consist of maybe interacting with other people, maybe on a physical level? Mm. You know, like deconstructing the concept that intimacy is sex, is sex and they're, they're synonymous. They're not synonymous. Sure, yeah. You know, and people go, well, yeah, I, you know, like my sex is very intimate. I'm like, okay, and I, I do this. So we'll all do this right now. Everybody close their eyes. Okay. Think of all the people you've kissed. Okay. Okay. Three. Has it <laughs> right? <laughs> Just Mike. Right. Has it always been this most divine come to Jesus moment? Yes. <laughs> no. When it was Mike, yes. Right. Right. No. So, what's the difference? It's the lips. The lips are the same. The style. You can only have so many styles. What's the difference that makes? certain kissing experience or sexual experiences divine and other ones not. It's, I, it's the emotional connection, right? Yeah. It's the brain. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Connection, the intentions, Yep. you know, sex is a powerful tool, but it doesn't mean it's divine all the time. I agree with you on that. Yeah. You know, we can have conversations that are deeper than sex. That's so, right. so once we get to the point where we can deconstruct and separate intimacy from sex, then we can have the objective conversation. Why are we so sensitive about sex intimacy, but we're not about other forms of intimacy sure and then we can really deal with those things like most men have the fear of the alpha male which all of us have in some greater or lesser degree that somebody bigger cooler smaller who that someone who's all the things we're not is going to come along and take our wife away our girlfriend away and render us useless Mm -hmm. so we want to lock it down sure you know but you know just that stuff and just just the basic reality too that no one likes to be held against their will sure yeah 
So a lot of us opt into certain relationship structures that in the beginning, that's all we want is them. But then as we expand, we realize there's, there's more to our life than just this dynamic. But now I'm afraid to say that because I know it may disrupt this. Mm-hmm. So therefore I either don't say it and start to resent, or I just create another life outside of this because I'm afraid, you know, like, let's just be honest. Let's be real. Yeah. And let's just, you know, like, yeah, that's huge. That's, yeah. I think what you're saying is perfect because that's what I try to do in every relationship I have is like, talk to me, like, talk to me about yeah. it. Like what's going on? You know, Mike, if you're stressed with me about something, talk to me about it. You know, not even just with intimate relationships, just any relationship. Yeah. Right. And I think sometimes some people are always so worried to talk about it. Like, well, I don't want to tell you. It's like, no, tell me how you feel yeah. because I can't learn. I can't change. I can't be better. I can't do anything. I can't, you know, I can't even understand how you feel if you don't tell me yeah. how you truly feel. Yeah. And we, I, get, we get really awkward when it comes to when anytime you introduce penises and vaginas and things, we just get really awkward and uncomfortable and forget conventional wisdom that we already use in all of our lives. Yeah. Like people go, I'm just a one woman, man or woman. Okay, cool. That's my choice. But yeah. you shouldn't mandate the other person because that's how you choose to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like if we're in a relationship like me and you tight, tight. and like I'm vegetarian and you're not just because I'm vegetarian, I shouldn't make you be vegetarian. Oh yeah. No, but that's what we sure. do relationships though. It, it does. Yes. Like, we're going to do this. You have to do it too. It's like, well, I'm going to love you and you're going to love me. But the way you love me is unique to you. Yeah. How I should be able to love you the way I love you. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, then we shouldn't be together, sure. but it shouldn't be like, I need your love language to be mine. Yeah. The exact same thing. It's understanding each other's love language. Good, good, good reference there. And also, like, are you able to be with someone else who's not on the same exact path as you, but have your paths intertwine and nudge mm-hmm. where you can enjoy each other's lives, interest, friends, but then have your own life and yeah. not have to totally basically date yourself. Yes, nobody wants. And right. even if you say you want that, you don't really want yeah, that. Yeah, and just the <laughs> the honesty of like, can we identify and accept that as humans, we change and evolve? Yeah, so, you know, the Black Black Russian podcast is really just about um, encouraging open dialogue um, and just deconstructing things that don't have to be, you know? Right. Like, we just, there's no one way we all have to be. Um, we all have the capacity to love many things and have many different relationships all at once. And we do it effortlessly unless there's penises and vaginas involved. Like we all have friends, best friends, BFFs, kids, students, teachers, collaborators, all these things. And we never, we never like freak out about if our friend gets a new friend or if they're going there. We, we know how to do this. Um, and we know how to create our own dynamics if we are willing to be brave enough to, you know, listen to ourselves, ask about it, and be brave enough to tell somebody else that. Yeah, for sure. You know, so yeah, Black Christian Podcast. Uh, available on what? Everything. Platform? Everything. Black, uh, Google us. Google us. Black, the Black Russian Podcast. The Black Russian Podcast. You can't mess that name up. Yeah, write your own vowels, write your own script. That's our slogan. Yeah, we don't have a slogan. We need a slogan, too. Well, I know a guy we could talk to about about that i'm okay. the i'm the business creative muse you get you know yeah. definitely I'll, I'll, i would throw one out just for fun now you don't have to use this one but it's pretty cool do it till you're satisfied uncle dad talks do it till you're satisfied <laughs> I, don't know. I like Ooh. it it's a good one but you know that's it's where, just what's one for the wall that's where our, that's where our side podcast we'd hone it in once we have that team building workshop at the bowling alley <laughs> that's right yes yes bowling alley. um we have to talk about that next time yeah yeah, to yeah all yeah, the bowling yeah, we gotta talk about that uh mike go ahead well just gonna say <laughs> 
Uh, thank you. <laughs> Tangent, tangents, quantum leaping, and rabbit holes with Buku One. I love it. I love it. That's, we didn't talk about the MCU. We didn't talk about the bowling. We talk about. I wanted to talk about Tony Hawk with you actually. We talk about Tony Hawk Pro Skater because I wanted to get your opinions on one and two, the remake. Oh, see. Well, we can let's do that real quick. Okay. Right now, <laughs> Wait, this, it's, a, it's a teaser. We can expand on it later, but you know, yeah, yeah I, I, got, okay. I got an easy answer for that. What's up? Ask me the question. Oh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> Tony Hawk one and two. What is your thoughts about it? Oh, there. The remake. What is the your remake? Thoughts? Yes. Okay. I have two words for it. Okay. Three words. For okay. It. Okay. EA Skate Three. Once you, <laughs> dude. Once you play EA Skate, I was thinking. I'm, we're counting the words. I don't know if that's really. <laughs> well, EA is one word. Right? I guess it's one be. word. Yeah, yeah. Two what? syllables, one word. But it's technically electronic Acronym. arts, okay, right? Whatever. <laughs> Stop it. Thank you. All right. But no, it's like once you played EA Skate. Sure. It's really hard to go back, other than nostalgic. Like, yeah, I, I, I have a hard time going back and playing games that I thought were really cool when I was younger. Like, it's hard. Um, like Goldeneye, have you played that? No, <laughs> I haven't played that. But I haven't played Nintendo Pro Wrestling or Excite Bike. Like, I haven't played. <laughs> you go way back. Okay, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> it's just. Bike. But like skate, skateboarding for one is like you know when you, we were playing Tony Hawk, it was the most advanced, close to skateboarding it. And fantasy you could ever have now it's just fantasy uh yeah but then once you get ea skate 3 it's so more intuitive to how you actually skate hmm. that once you get involved with that you have to almost deconstruct your brain to go back to that um so i was glad they did it sure i was real i have a song called pro skater okay yes that's all about playing tony hawk yeah, too and beating somebody that song yeah and i'm actually playing the game in it so when that came back out i tried my hardest to get that song in the game and i couldn't find anybody to it was already, I guess, done before I even knew, but I was like, yeah. dude, that's a song, you know? Yeah. Well, they're going to do the three and four remake, so there you go. Yeah, I'll keep swinging the bat. Yeah. <laughs> but now, quickly on the subject of skateboarding games, have you played Skater XL? I played it. We have it. We download it on the Xbox, and I don't know. I'm just a creature of habit. Because I, I, I actually think they had a great mechanism, like a great play mechanism. It's just the game was missing a lot. It just wasn't. Fully realized. Fully, fully realized, yeah. Yeah, I mean, which totally makes sense. But I think that could have been like the way we, I don't know. I know uh, E3 is happening right now as we're, as we're doing this interview. So I'm wondering. Damn, I haven't been there in years. <laughs> I made I made an actual music video. At, at E3? Like, yeah. At E3? It's called Super Toys. Oh, I don't think I know that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, it's, uh, yep. and my son at the time, who's 19 now, he was 10 oh, on the chorus. Wow. Yeah, it's about me playing video games. Okay, okay. Was that on YouTube now? Can you find that? Sure you can. Yeah. I awesome. finally did the whole distro kit and got everything up everywhere, so it's gotcha. not just only on Bandcamp. All right. Yeah. So I uh, to quickly wrap up the video games, we really got to dive in that eventually later because I'm the video game guy here. Right. We've had some video game people on here. We're gonna have some developers on the show soon again. But what is your current favorite video game? Right now is Madden. Ma Madden. I know it's. I know. <laughs> so like, I'll try to make this really short. So one one year, like I I should only play really fighting games like Soul Calibur. Yeah. Tekken and like Skate 3. It's the only games I really play. Gotcha. Um, and then like, you know, we went to the GameStop on the way. We're staying in Tahoe with the family. So we just found like Madden 2K6 or some shit. We just bought oh, it. Old school Madden. Oh, and we're like, oh, this is neat. <laughs> so me and my, my stepson, who's 27, got into it at the same time. So we both sucked. Mm -hmm. And so we, we rose together. So we had extreme competition in that game. Right. And so he went away, you know, PhD program. So during COVID... I was like, man, I should just go online and play. They match you up with your... So, like, I started, like, you know, not ranked at the 1,000 or whatever, and then I just nerded the fuck out. Nerded out. Now I'm ranked 82. 
Wow. Damn. That's a rise. I, play, I probably play four games a day. Like, I get up in the morning, and I play two games, eat my oatmeal. Then I, at the bedtime, I wind it down with two games, and, like, the weekend's, like, tournament time. Damn. But I've never played Madden, like, ever until two years ago. And wow. I just nerded the fuck out. So all I play is Madden right now. Man, you should listen to our show earlier. Remember we had the uh, Madden tournament on our show? Yes, you remember that? Yeah, yep. the biggest online Madden tournament. And it was uh, it was a big deal. And we had him on the show. We talked about it and everything. And uh, you should have been on that, man. I, you know, <laughs> next I can't, year, I next can't year. even tell how ready I am. I mean, I'm playing the I mean, match if you're 82, online. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a trip. But people are funny. I don't do the headphone microphone thing. I I just try that once, but I just get every time I get messages like might have explicit explicit. Ex, what did you call it? Explicit. 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 Right. Explicit. Is it explicit. explicit? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but like, I'm like, okay, I don't even want to click on that. Gotcha. Because some fools are just maybe talking. Oh, oh, they're so offensive online. So what I I watched a YouTube video, like or like a meme about it, and they, you know, when someone comes at you like that, he's like, dude, I'm only ten years old. I'm trying to figure it out. You're really good. And it just fucks <laughs> up their whole thing. Oh, dude, you're dude, keep trying. Because we're like trash. <laughs> dude, I'm ten. I'm ex- I'm just getting started. I'm just trying. <laughs> Mike, so we're gonna try for you. Well, I, I just kind of glaze over because I don't really play games, video games. Sorry. You know, Mike, no. I have something in my house that you love. I just got an NBA Jam arcade machine. Oh, yeah. I would play that. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. Come through. Come through. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some Street Fighter. Street, I have a Street Fighter machine, too. Do you? Do you want to come? You oh, want to yeah. come? Invisible I, throw. You can't in my house. Invisible it's over. throw, man. It's yeah. what it is. Let's go. <laughs> I'm good at Street Fighter. All right. Are you? Are you good at Marvel vs. Capcom? Nah, that's... Street Fighter, bro. <laughs> when it started getting all no. crazy and all that, you know, no. Okay. I skipped that and came back at Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur? But okay. Street Fighter, Soul Calibur, Tekken. Gotcha. Okay. 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 Um, well, with all that being said, uh, where can, or actually, no, what are you working on right now? Oh. Project-wise. Or can you talk about any of it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Too much yeah. to say. No, no. Just think about it. <laughs> no, so we talked about the SF Giants mural project we're yes. working on right now. Um, I just finished the EP called the Doodle EP. Nice. Which should be out. Then I guess as soon as I put it up in the next few weeks. Nice. Um, Would that be on like a Spotify? Or yeah, it'll, it'll be on all the digital platforms. Mm-hmm. And then I pressed the single, the vinyl, which should have been here in April. But then I got the word from the plant in Egypt that there was a COVID outbreak. So we're not going to be shipping till August. Wow. <laughs> Modern well, times. COVID outbreak. But yeah, yeah um, that and then, you know, the big project that I started right before COVID is my first documentary awesome. called, called Master the Ollie. And it's basically the love affair between skateboarding and hip hop and how they both share the parallel golden eras of like 86 through 92 when they both went through the most transformation of time ever. And it stems from these two elements I focus on, which is when skateboarding went from primarily ramp to street, the Ollie, which was just a trick of many before, became the primary trick of street mm. skating. Like to get up, get down, you had the Ollie. And then with hip hop, you know, the rise of the MC as the primary driver of hip hop Whereas before the eight and four eighty five eighty six was DJ, once the MC and record labels all of a sudden it took hip hop to a whole other platform. So it's like the master of the ceremony and the ollie, the master of the ollie. And so I started that. I have a I have a trailer out, a teaser on uh, Instagram, and then COVID hit. It was like three months in, and COVID hit. So I think yeah. in the fall I'm gonna get back to that and just talk about this story and how they overlap. You know, because right. like so many hip hop artists like Hieroglyphics gained fan base from skateboarders using hip hop in their videos which started in the early 90s when skateboarding went from primarily ramp to primarily street yeah and all of a sudden if it's street now it's in san francisco it's in philly it's in new york it's in oakland 
And so the soundtrack, of course, is going to change. Mm-hmm. And there's crazy stories and overlap between like all that stuff. And so, yeah. That's incredible. The, sk- the skateboarding has always kind of been like that. Is it an element of hip hop? Is it not? Like, it's like kind of rides that. Yeah, I call it a edge. cousin. Yeah. See, some people I feel like would argue that though. Like, yeah, I mean, of course, it's a great people, topic. People yeah. argue there's there's a million elements of hip hop. Yeah. I just go there's four, and then it stems from that. Like the four to me is the roots of hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know, break dancing, DJing, MCing, graffiti. That's a whole other podcast episode right there. And then it's, <laughs> then from there you go into vernacular, fashion, business, whatever, yeah. you know, like you know whatever else. Yeah. Gold teeth. Go take go that, that's under fashion, yo. <laughs> well, okay, so that's yeah, another subcategory. Right? You know, I want gold teeth. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get my wife to get them. She's like, she's a compliance officer at a brokerage firm. Oh, nice. So I think if she got lower gold fronts and just every now and then on Zoom was just like, dude, that's that literally trip people out. Like she's <laughs> she's so not. Oh, that's awesome. Look like anything that would anybody would ever have gold teeth. I love it. That would be great. That'd, That'd be, be awesome. Yeah. We should get gold teeth, dude. Come on. I'll buy. I'll buy them. The gold teeth episode. The gold teeth episode. We're all just talking our gold teeth. You gonna buy? Them? Yeah, I'll buy. Them. Okay. And they'll say Uncle Dad though. On his? Oh, yeah. No, oh. I can't wait. <laughs> your name on my teeth. Come on, man. If I bought them. Yeah, like, <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, right. You might like get you a, get you a collar too. <laughs> the BDSM gold teeth episode, Dom sub. You'll be the sub. This one, you'll be the Dom. Can we come on your podcast as guest after that? Yeah. Talk about a relationship. Yeah, yeah our relationship. As, as well, like, the, the, the trials and tribulations you've gone through after after switching to being a Dom sub role for like five, <laughs> six exactly. months. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's I like one. I like the way that this guy thinks. I love it. Um, but yeah, so where else could they find you? Uh, on social media? Uh, yeah, the easiest way to find me is at my Instagram at B-U-K-U-E-O-N-E or just Google Buku One for any music because it's all up on platform, all the digital platforms now finally. Nice. So like, like seven albums are up there. Well, my latest album is called The Scenic Route. Okay. And it's up there too, so. And if you want to be a cool kid, go to any old video game store and pick up NBA 2K5. Yeah, and good luck finding a, a, a means of playing it while you do. What are you talking about, man? You get a, there's ways to play it. They still have Xbox available to buy. This PS2s, yeah. You can get PS2s. Yeah, yeah. yeah at a thrift store. Yes, <laughs> bro. Old school gaming shops they exist. <laughs> right. Yeah, Retro true. shops. Yeah. That's true. I'm tripping. Uh, but yes, uh, Buku One. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, it feels very surreal to have you here. Um, to have a t- literally, I'm now that I think about it, I'm sitting across two people who I looked up to a lot as a kid, and one of them became one of my dear friends and. Uh, just thank you again, yeah. Buku. It's an absolute pleasure having well, you. Well, I hope to become a dear friend. That's yeah. I was gonna say he he probably hopes that you soon will become also a dear friend. But just know you're, he's you're gonna be annoyed by me probably because he's annoyed by me all the time. Nah, it's just a matter of, it's a matter of <laughs> space oh, and time. See, look, he accepts yeah. that. If I'm if I'm here every now and then, I can deal with extra, <laughs> yeah. extra energy. You know, I'm not going. I don't. I didn't marry you. No. <laughs> I mean, if you that, want, that's the beauty of it. See, if I yeah. have multiple relationships, I don't have to be with somewhere all the time. There's no mandate. Mm. See? Like some relationships work really good when you only see a person every now and then. Yeah. That's the sweet spot. You know, the biggest challenge is when we mismatch relationships. People that we're supposed to see every now and then we see every day, it's not a good look. No. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There you go. There so you, go. you can go to his house once in a while and play Where do you live? Street Fighter. What sounds like? That's too far. It's too far. <laughs> well, that, you know, you know well, actually, I take, that too far? I, I take <laughs> my I take my daughter to uh Foster City for her K pop choreography classes right, each weekend. So we're actually not that far away. How do we know where Foster City's at? Jesus. <laughs> I'm not from the Bay. I'm from all day. Oh, shit. 209. He's, he's pointing the Stockton hat. Yeah, it's yep. been sun-baked. His head has just been cooked. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> here's, a, here's a tidbit before, before we wrap it up. Oh, God. My first skateboard sponsor 
was a skate shop in Turlock. Oh, really? <laughs> He's like, whoo! They always Hometown. light up. Cats Hometown. and Modesto and Stockton like, light up when you say Turlock. Well, I don't care about Turlock. I just care about that to my well, neck in the, the woods. vicinity. It, yeah. it, it, it gives them like their, yeah. their, their, their voice pitches up and like... Oh, it's like, dude, Nick, uh, Nate Diaz just fought, right? So yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, obviously I was watching that fight in my house. Big old deal. Stockton proud always, man. <laughs> yeah. All 700 of them. <laughs> Stockton proud, baby. Always, always. All right. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. Nobody else. <laughs> Do it till you're satisfied. I think this is the first time I've heard Stockton proud. Really? Yeah. I'm going to start saying that more. No. <laughs> no, you say whatever you want. Hey, you, it's, I mean, Uncle, da I'm on the, I'm on the, you know, <laughs> the marquee. Right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. But it, at the end of the day, it's becoming the mic show, so it's all right. Clearly, because I have voice. Oh, yes, as we know. <laughs> A special lady out there said they liked that voice. Yeah, name this, name them. I think it was like Mildred, <laughs> Gertrude at, at a strip club. That'd be a twist. <laughs> What's my name, Mildred? <laughs> All right, we're dragging on too much. Uh, with that being said, I would. I just had something to say about the strippers. Yeah, I love it. One of the coolest challenges <laughs> is like if you can befriend a stripper. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like I always had this fantasy of like meeting a stripper and like doing non-sexual things yeah I have let's go bowling strippers. let's go yeah. paint let's you know like, yeah. play uno uno jenga jenga just completely like i would go to when i i went to a couple of strip clubs in san francisco for a while i just go to the sketch mm -hmm. that's where i just go to sketch so nice. i just go to sketch and i was like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> drawing sketching some letters wait 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 what was that dance them getting is that how you yeah. go well, to the strip I, mean, club I, was, I mean i wasn't the one dancing they'd be dancing and then like, they'd be distracted by the dude like <laughs> oh, i thought that looking was you down like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I thought you were like... Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> that's how he sketches. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm start, very... Start, start gyrating. <laughs> very clever sketch. I get straighter lines when I'm gyrating. <laughs> Do you still have those sketchbooks? Uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't. I have some, those. but I don't have... The Buku One Strip Club Sketchbook. Dude, if I, if I would have did a whole project where I actually did a whole sketchbook of just me sketching at strip clubs... Dude, yeah, I'm like so. really good friends with people who run strip clubs, so let me know. We can make that happen. I want a DJ. Let me know. Can I you can do a throwback night at a, at, a, at a strip club where I can just play all like throwback? Can you? Can we hear your strip club DJ voice? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you want? Do you want the American one? or You want the Jamaican one? Both. Oh, shoot. I say both. Is there? All right. There's two. Well, you say them nigga, them sugar. We got boo cool one, aka Mr. Generous here, with a nice tune for your wine, your body. And the next tune right now, I throw it way back to the guy called. Mad Corba, sex, time now, flex, gal. Wind up your waist, earn that money, man. Control this. If you can't dance, we say, remove ya. Beautiful. <laughs> wow. I want to start taking my ones out right now. <laughs> Why in your body? Um, can we hear the American one now or no? <laughs> oh, yeah. To all you fly ladies on the stage and all you gentlemen on there watching. Please be generous. Pull out your money. This girl is shaking it like it took her mom nine months to make it. And she needs your money. Whole Foods is not cheap. She's vegan, y'all. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. That's, what a great way to end But it. I mainly want a DJ. Okay. Okay. This is be clear. I don't want to be <laughs> I don't like, want to be talking about that. I know. I want to play my throwbacks like, like 80s Madonna. How about like you DJ Sugar. and I can be the voice? Yeah. Well, let's hear your voice then. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for coming. That's it. Goodbye. I mean, that, that sounds like a common strip club voice. <laughs> I mean, I can Hello, do the ladies. voice. What uh, am I we got cinnamon coming up to the stage. Yeah, just give it up for cinnamon. Oh, there you go. If you want me to really do it, okay, how about this? <clears throat> 
So announced the, the newest dancer. Her name is Pangea. Oh God! Man, give me a long ass name, dude. There you Pangea. go, Pangea. Uh, She's from Oregon. <laughs> yeah, right. She, all believes the way, in, she believes in patchouli. All the way from, all the way from Oregon, United States of America. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. All right. Uh, what was the girl's name again? Pangea. <laughs> give it up for the one, the only, the very lovely. Pangea. Currently dancing to Alanis Morissette's Ironic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and with that being said, as always, love each other, respect each other, and we'll see you next week. Say bye, Mike. <laughs> bye. <laughs>